All right, welcome to the Action Shooting Show, uh, sponsored by Primer & Co., as always. So I'll get my Primer & Co. shirt on. Check them out at PrimerAndCo.com. So we're going to get right into this. Um, if you notice, we have a new face here. Um, this is Sean Murphy. Uh, Sean, you want to explain or kind of give yourself a, a quick intro as to your what you do? Sure. So uh, Sean Murphy... My day job, I work for Night Force, so I get to help uh, sell some scopes, get to play with some cool stuff. Uh, but i uh, been a competitive shooter for 15, 16 years now. Started with IDPA, USPSA, 3-Gun, and kind of evolved. I've uh, Through Night Force, I've been able to shoot a lot of different long-range stuff and uh, tend to shoot a lot of that. I went from PRS to team sniper stuff, field-type shooting. Uh, I've done some F class, done a little bit of everything. And then, uh, let's see, 2018, old Bruce Perry, uh, he held his first run and gun match um, down here in Georgia. Um, I actually started shooting matches at some of Bruce Perry's old action pistol matches at the same club, Riverbend, that he does his run and gun at. Uh, so it's kind of like it's fun to reconnect, see some old faces. And uh, I kind of set the hook in run and gun. So I've done. 10, 12 of them now over the last couple of years, but um, I enjoy it. It's, it gets to test the marksmanship competitive shooting side. And it also has a lot of, as we'll talk about for the Legion match, engaging the brain on the clock or right, like, right before and kind of managing a strategy. So uh, kind of the been shooting competitively for quite a while and a lot of different stuff and uh, kind of ended up long range and the running gun stuff is kind of what I've been focused on the last couple of years. And if yeah, as, and I forgot to say, this is going to be a Legion after action report. So kind of wrap up on that. Um, and I, I think is it safe to say? Have you noticed people who shoot run and gun who a lot of them that do well tend to be multidisciplinary shooters? I mean, uh, it's hard well, to think of anyone who doesn't. It's kind of evolving. I think you know the <clears throat> when I started, I'll be honest, I am not. <clears throat> I've not always been a uh, PT stud by any means. No, I am way <laughs> on the other side. I'm a shooter that happens to run because I like to shoot. Uh, there are those that are really good runners, but they're starting to figure out how to shoot. Uh, you know, so when when the people that can really run fast and shoot really well, we're all screwed. But uh, I would say the shooting component, you can the way the scoring works as a discipline. I would say you can be an okay runner, but if you're a really good shooter, you can make a lot of ground. I kind of fit in that category. Like I can suffer through running enough to where if I can shoot well, you know, so people that have, whether some pistol experience or rifle or both, or you're multi-gun shooters, um, they tend to have been exposed to competitive shooting and can quickly adapt on the fly. Be like, okay, we're doing this, program the stage in their head real quick and execute really mm. well. Um, with limited information versus somebody that doesn't have a, any prior experience, just say, hey, running gun's new for me. It sounds like fun. I've been a shooter, but not a competitive shooter. Um, I would say anybody that's shot any kind of competition, as in has some mindset for trying to shoot a little faster, a little more accurately, they're already ahead of the curve. Um, so, yeah, so multidiscipline or any discipline, really, they do have a leg up on somebody that's just coming into it or, you know, somebody that's they're really good at running. And they kind of know how the gun works, but they don't really know how to the gaming side to it. Um, I would say that competitive shooter would probably do better than somebody who's really good at running that's just getting the gun side figured out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so for those who haven't um, shot it or maybe haven't heard it, Legion, this is the correct fifth year, right, Mike? Because yep, you've done right. all of them. Okay, so this is, I think, the fifth year, and um, it's a special forces benefit. The um, fifth group out of, uh, is that, where's that out of, Mike? Fort I'm, Campbell. Fort Campbell. So, um, so match flavor-wise, it really centers around that. They, uh, I've kind of, I brought the matchbook here. Um, one of the cool things is each of the stages that you shoot is kind of a vignette. So you've got a little story about um, a fifth group special forces um, soldier who was killed in action, and so the stages are based around that, which which is really cool. So it's a blind blind stages. They tell you the story, and it sometimes kind of gives you an idea it gives you an idea of maybe what you're expecting to see but um but you don't it's not like you're gonna shoot rifle here and do this and then you're gonna go here it's it's you just kind of go up and maybe you got a little bit of idea what's going on is that pretty fair to say so um and it very um so along with that there's a lot of mental stuff as i think sean already pointed out a lot of cognitive stuff they tell you before you go out there there's gonna you may see things on the course that are out of place maybe you want to write that down or remember it. at the end of stages they will tell you certain phrases you may call in an airstrike and they tell you something back i know from past uh matches at legion there was codes or there was um numbers you had to write down that you had to use on a stage later and so there's a lot of that kind of thing. There's a lot of information being thrown at you. And um, actually, this year they had someone out in the woods with a paintball gun. So um, you, as you're running through the course and you're wanting to go fast, but you kind of have to pay attention to your surroundings, be aware, because, you know, at any point someone could pop out and start nailing you with a paintball gun. <laughs> yeah, old Giotti so, George. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we went to dinner with George, and he had way too much fun doing that. So I'm I'm a little worried about him. <laughs> uh, you know, good for him. He, uh, I think he was the last guy in on the RO day, and you know, I think he earned the opportunity to run around and terrorize everybody. I know uh, I got in character a little bit. We'll get into my dumpster fire of a match. Um, but uh, yeah, by the time he's there, I turn the corner after having a bad stage. And he's literally standing in this alleyway of trees with a gun in one hand and just, you know, uh, just kind of like we're swapping some phrases back and forth. It, yeah. was, it was good, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's kind of, I guess, a, a real quick, you know, the match flavor. Um, uh, I guess one other thing that's to note is pistol and rifle. It's not your standard, typically it's not your standard, like, one round on steel or, you know, two rounds anywhere in paper or whatever. Um, pistol is on most stages five hits and rifle is typically three hits. Now, that's not every stage and they had some smaller targets. You only had to have single hits on. But um, I, I guess that stemmed from when they were first doing this match. Matt was talking to the special forces guys, Matt Stennett, the match director, and saying, hey, you know, what does it take? when you're going in these places to put people down because you know it's it's obviously it's not going to just necessarily be two in center mass and they just you know fall over magically like they do in the movie so um they're like ah well it just depends well he's like well give me a, 
a general number, and I guess that's what they came out. Rifle, it's three, and pistol, it usually takes five. So that's kind of a neat, neat aspect. And if you're too used to just blasting two in the A and going on, you're you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah, Matt did a good. He does a good job. I mean, he works with the SF guys too. That's the other thing. Like Matt does a great job organizing it and setting stages, but he still also has fifth group guys actually help planning and. I would say come up with ways to terror, uh, terrorize us, you know, or make it a little more difficult. So, uh, yeah, it's not the average match by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely. Yeah. I really enjoy the uh, added emphasis on round count and accuracy that comes with this match. Only getting uh, A and C zone hits counting, and then that increased round count, uh, it really makes you accountable for all of those hits that they require. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and I think we'll go into some of the neat things that Special Forces kind of help bring out this year as I, we go through the stages. So um, divisions and distance, uh, they have a 5K and a 10K. Um, 5K has five stages, and the 10K adds an extra two stages. Now, with the 5K this year, I know I did four, a little over four miles. Or so, what did you guys have a distance on the 10k? I was over seven on mine, yeah. It was, I yeah. I think most people are like seven and a quarter. Uh, again, I had a little bit of a disaster of a match, so I was actually a little bit over eight miles, but uh, yeah, it was, I think most people were seven and a quarter ish was the 10k, yeah. And there, and there was some. I don't want to say shortcutting. If depending on how things went, you could skip certain sections, or maybe you get a little bit less. But if you've not shot a running gun, whatever the match director says for distance, you can assume that it's a mile more. So if it's a five, if it's a five k, you're probably going to be going four miles. Um, t- you know, ten k. I think Heartbreak's ten k last year was eight miles. So they don't. You know, this is America. We don't do metric well. Yeah. I think it- either. <laughs> no, no, they don't. All right, so um, I don't want to get too into gear, but is there anything you guys want to speak of gear-wise for what you chose for this match, if there's any special considerations? I, I kind of ran my, my normal kit. So, Sean, Sean, anything different you did? Uh, so, for this match, um, so I've put different videos and AARs and some of the stuff I normally run. I like a belt kit and then a light chest rig. Like it's not really a mag carrier, you know, a bunch of pouches. It's uh, like a hill people gear. It's more like a backpacking, you know, type rig. Um, for this match with the additional rounds, um, I plan on a little extra. I actually, this was the first time I ran a Haley strategic micro rig. So had the Kydex, you know, holders, um, a little more space on the chest. And given, like we were just talking about on distance, um, you know, I want to carry a little extra water and stuff. So I ran the the micro rig and then had their flat pack attached. So it, it creates, it's not like a as bulky and covered up as a plate carrier, but I could still carry, you know, multiple rifle and pistol rounds and a little extra stuff up front and had a backpack with, uh, you know, but it was a, a flush, low profile um, we did have one section we had to crawl under some barbed wire. Usually there's an obstacle, so I don't like having a big bag. Um, so that that was the only thing I did different. But other than that, 
this is a match to not really try new stuff and take what you know because of the challenges you're gonna have to face. You yeah, and you ran you ran Light Fighter, right? Correct. Yeah, I, I ran Light Fighter. Um, you know, because there's Light Fighter, which is pretty much run what you run, whatever you want. One gun, uh, one carbine, one pistol. Uh, there's the the operator, which was rifle rated plates. So some guys I know had super lightweight rifle plates. Um, versus like tactical games, you have to have just a certain weight on the carrier. For this match, it was nope, doesn't matter what you have as long as it can act, it's actual armor. Uh, and then there's the tier one craziness for a 45 pound rock on top of everything else. I think that's yep. what you did, right, Mike? Because you're crazy. Yeah, I did the tier one. Uh, our our friend uh, uh, John Stoner convinced me to do that this year, and uh, I ran pretty much the identical kit that I test ran at uh, the Guardian run this year. So the only difference is I moved from an eleven five with a suppressor back to my sixteen inch running gun, and then I could use the rifle scabbard that's built into the pack that I run, and that worked out really well. Um, but for those that listen to our podcast before, I've kind of gone over some of my kit. So it, it was pretty much the, my normal setup. And I guess I didn't, I should have said I, I ran operator. So I did run some heavy rifle, like uh, level four rifle rated plates. So they were not nearly as advantageous as some of the people with like poly plates and stuff like that. But um, I did the 5K. I wumped out in the 5K. So it really wasn't wasn't that bad but I, I run something similar to i have the plate carrier but i've got a real small um rdr gear chest rig on that and then uh, actually my wife sewed me up a a real small water bladder that velcros to the back so my slickster so because yeah same thing i like to have i actually like to have more water than maybe i think i'll need out there because <laughs> i'd rather carry that extra weight than you know start uh zoning out because i'm dehydrated yeah well it's not always you know the depending on your run time you may be able to sh- your actual on court uh shooting or running time may not be that long but if you hit you know a couple stages where a couple runners are stacking up you may be out there twice as long as you expect and if it's one or two o'clock in the afternoon that water might come in handy yeah, this is my second Legion, and both years I've been late in the day, and I've gotten zero wait time. It has been oh, wow. that's awesome. Cooking, I, some. I mean, every once in a while, it's nice to show up to a stage and get <laughs> get a two minute break. But um, yeah, it, it worked out. I mean, I, I I put in a decent run. I wasn't much behind my time last year, and I was running a um, light fighter last year. So, all right. So the course. Um, we can start going through it. It's Rolly Hills. It's Tennessee. It's no real, no real crazy hills. I don't think. Was there anything crazy on the 10K that I didn't get to do? Uh, oh, Mike, you want to talk about it? Yeah. So the 10K this year, they've got something called a uh, never-ending forest, or uh, the forest that sucks out your soul. I think Nick Hansen calls it that, and. So this year was interesting for me because I almost stepped on a snake. And luckily for me, it was a black rat snake. Um, But that was an unintended obstacle. The 10K had a swamp 
that we had to slog through depending on how your Arabic was as well as uh, some Kim's games. And then we also had an extra special culvert that was considerably smaller than the 5K culvert and uh, presented quite a challenge to try to move a ruck through. I think but, I saw 24-inch 20, diameter was what that culvert was, which is pretty tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, a lot of – so the the divergence, you know, there's a big open field. We had to crawl under a barbed wire uh, fence. Um, la- last year, actually, somebody lost a gun there. I was unloaded, but found a – there was a Glock 19 waiting for somebody to come back and get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of extra – little fun stuff. Um, a lot of, I would say the first part of the course, now, you know, the 10 K I've only done the 10 K. Um, you know, there's a little bit that I don't get to see, but for the most part it follows, uh, the woods minus kind of that section between what stage two, stage three, where you're kind of cutting through the woods. There's like a lot of that, but worse. Um, that's the majority of the 10 K. Uh, and then before that final culvert, that 24 inch one, we had, uh, I don't know what you say, Mike. Like quarter mile, you know, half, not quite a half mile, maybe at least a, at least a quarter mile. Um, not crossing a creek, but actually going through the creek, like following the creek, like you go down into it um, and just uh, trumping through that as fast as really, it's not fast, it's just slow. Just getting through that, um, yeah. And then the swamp was pretty mucky. It was it was like chest deep. Um, and it was, it wasn't terrible, uh, in the sense of it wasn't swampy as in disgusting. Like it was mucky, but it wasn't like algae on the water nasty. Uh, but what, what I noticed is it just sucked the energy right out of you. Um, you know, just walking both in the muck and then the amount of water resistance with all your stuff and you're trying to hold a rifle up or anything else out of the water. So, um, a lot of extra, um, uh, on the brief on the 10 K morning, Matt's like, yep, the 5K is hard, the 10K sucks. That's pretty much the message. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he, he definitely delivered on that. And it's, I mean, the train down there is really neat. Even with the 5K, like, like Sean said, you're, you're cutting through some woods. You're kind of, and even the woods section, there's not, when we say woods, there's not a trail there. There's just tape hanging from the trees every so often. So you're getting cut up by, you know, spiky plants and you're, tripping over logs and um i mean to start off with you kind of go down some path you're going you cross over a little creek i kind of stay dry there because i'm one that i'll stay dry until i can't stay dry but then you don't get very far and there's just a little sign that says go under and there's a i think it was a 32 inch manhole underneath the road and you're it's got water i mean it's there's water going through it so you you know, you get in knee deep in the water there and you crawl through that pipe. And then there's a pretty steep hill on the other side of that. I think, uh, is that where your match kind of started to go downhill, Sean? So mine actually went downhill before I even started. Um, so side backstory, you two both took the class. So for Legion this yeah. year, because it is a fundraiser for the Special Forces Association, um, did a uh, two one-day classes, uh, Friday and Saturday. Part of that was preparation for the match is one of the many, many things we talked about. 
So before the match even started, uh, all kitted up, I was kind of BSing and, you know, catching up with other guys. Um, and then I realized, like, oh, I actually take off in like 15 minutes. So I've thrown everything on, had everything in hand, but like put something down pulled to pull my carbine out and then run to the start line and get checked in. Well, about 15 seconds before I was supposed to start, I'm literally holding my arm up with my hand on the start because I keep track of my time. And I kind of look at my arm like, I don't have my arm board. Uh, so I like to bring an arm board uh, to, you know, as, as you mentioned, record data, things like that. Of all matches, I can generally get through without it. If I didn't, this was one match that's really pretty good idea to have. So, uh, like, I'm out of time, aren't I? Or I was like, time starts now. <laughs> oh. So uh, so I actually ran back to the truck and then back to the start line. So I burned a nice minute and a little sprint to, you know, a couple hundred yard sprint uh, as the as it started for me. So I figured, okay, nothing I can't recover from. But that first culvert, so when I went to go into the water, to, to go down the water to go into the culvert, that bank that was right there, I kind of planted my left foot to put my right foot down in the water, and that bank gave way uh, on my left foot. So it was like full cartoon, both feet in the air, uh, right smack into the water, kind of right on the edge of the water, um, right my kind of rear butt cheek, right butt cheek, and then my holster went right down into the muck in the mud. Uh, and then I actually went all the way carbine. I mean, I was up to my neck in the water, like just like I said, full cartoon in, into it. Uh, and then when we get to the stages, I can talk about all the issues that came out of that. But uh, that was how mine started. Like this is already off to a great start. So before stage one. Yeah, that um, it, it's hard to sometimes explain because you don't want to exaggerate, but like, where we're going, there definitely a lot of this stuff. There's not like what you would think trails. Like mm -hmm. there's just a sign go down. So yeah, banks giving way. That's, I mean, I coming up out of that, I fell and then I got not very far and tripped over something else and you know muzzle of my gun went into the mud. I mean, I run a a three port break, which we've talked about before on the show is really kind of advantageous in running gun because they're way easier to clean out and. Mm -hmm less danger of something happening than you know uh, like a bird cage or something like that but um yeah so i'm picking dirt out of that and um so yeah we'll, we'll kind of i guess walk through the course so you get through that you get back on like a little cart path and you head into what's all their bays you know a lot of pistol bays they've got a long range but you head to one of the pistol bays and um you start off by dragging a dummy so, you know, 150 pound dummy or something like that. And then you head into this small little building. What, four by four, maybe, or three by three, something like that? It was, Not, it was probably like three feet wide, maybe five feet long. It was kind of, yeah. I think the engagement uh, was a car ambush or something like that, was what it was actually based off yeah. of. So you were down in a, a very enclosed space. And it, and it was all it was out, out of plywood with small ports, like on the ground, the ground, you know. Yeah, you're like getting down on the ground. Was, yeah, like there's one or two on each side at ground level. Then kind of like you couldn't kneel, so it's kind of like a rice paddy prone, like squatting, weird low squat. Uh, and then there are targets on both sides. Yeah. Now, depending on when you ran and what you did, Mike, do you want to discuss? the fun that you had here because you your stage was a little more exciting than most people's <laughs> so the 5k runners got um a flashbang tossed 
in or around the box with them. The ten. And I, I think they also they also did artillery, simulated artillery instead of a flashbang. So yeah, yeah. they had a, they had a mix of pyro, uh, but nonetheless, there was an explosion close by. <laughs> to be disorienting. Yeah, and then the ten k got smoke. So the SF guys brought smoke with them, and they had a little uh, a box on the side, and they had, like, heavy movers blankets on the end. So uh, when you were dragging the dummy, one of the ROs would pop smoke, throw it in that little box, and it was separated from the main compartment by what looked like uh, chicken wire. And then the box would fill up, and you had to go in there and shoot with a box full of smoke. And um, by the time I went through on RO day, I guess that there had been a fair amount of smoke through and the uh, actual uh, wooden box and blankets caught fire with me in it. Um, I went in and engaged through the six by six ports on the left side. And um, I just remember thinking like, man, it feels kind of warm back beside me. And so I turn and, and look because I have to get hits off that side. And there's like these 12 and 18 inch flames. And so one of the, the ports is directly over these flames. So I'm shooting pistol and like spread my arms really wide trying to keep my forearms from getting burned. And I was thinking as I was shooting and I was getting hits even through the smoke. And I was thinking this just doesn't seem right. Um, but it, it's Legion and you roll with it. It doesn't matter what happens, what comes at you, you roll with it. And so I was able to, uh, to kind of push the heat to the back of my mind and, uh, and move forward, finish the stage. Um, I guess when I exited the box to complete the shooting portion, uh, the ROs were getting ready to call me out because the, the flames, I moved to the other end of the box by then, but the flames were considerably large and starting to come out of the box. And uh, I'm not sure how they extinguished them, but they said that the only reason that they uh, let me shoot through was they knew that I had a limited amount of ammo with me, and they knew that I might not be able to afford to reshoot the stage, and that could definitely affect my match outcome. But that was... Uh, the literal moment when I burned down a stage, so to speak. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, it was a very unique stage. Um, it, it's a, one of those that really um, emphasizes why Legion is different than other matches in terms of the, the level of difficulty, the things that are thrown in there for the shooters to deal with. And, yeah. and this isn't like, this isn't like um, airsoft smoke, you know, like th this these is are real smoke grenades. Like th this, these smoke are the grenades. yeah, these are the good ones. Now, Sean, so you've just got completely covered in mud and water, and I'm gonna guess that that stage went awesome for you, and your guns ran perfect. Yeah, I was a little heated after that one. Uh, there is actually video of it, um, so I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do a full written on my. Uh, I'm calling it dealing with the dumpster fire because uh, there's actually a lot of lessons learned. Um, but so yeah, so. You go into this port, pull the gun out. Uh, it was pretty orange. Uh, it's normally a black gun. It's pretty orange. So scrape mud off. Go to shoot first target. Uh, so through these ports, you have to remember there's five per side. So you shoot from inside the box. One hit each 
you can't see them all from the ports. So you got to kind of like remember where you're at. And then you go out to the backside and you shoot them all again, but from the front of the, of the box. So first shot, bang, you know, hit, and then dead trigger. So I'm like, okay, well, what's a dead trigger? Usually figure, okay, it's full of mud. Like what's running through my head? Okay, failed a feed issue or some kind, or maybe there's gunk tap racket shoots again, dead trigger though. So, okay, tap racket and kind of get, I don't know, five or six into it. And then a dead trigger again, like even after tap racket, dead trigger, like this isn't good. So tap racket again. And just, I'm, I'm like shooting literally at that point. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to cycle a slide every time. I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't want to DNF the stage. Yeah. It's a bolt gun at this point. Yeah. So basically (laughs) take a shot, bang, tap, you know, bang. Um, Go to do a reload uh, as I get out. It's like at that point, so 10 rounds from inside the box. I think I probably fired one or two extras. So uh, I had 22, I think, when I started on that one. Um, so I was like, okay, I know I'm running low on ammo because not because I wasn't getting hits, because I was ejecting around every time I fired around. So the gun was feeding. I hadn't quite put that together yet. Get out of the box, do a reload, and then have to do the same thing. You know, cycle, cycle, cycle. Um, so once that stage was over, uh, nobody was, was standing there quite yet. So luckily I asked the artist, Hey, obviously my gun's kind of jacked up. Can I look at it for a minute? And they're like, Oh yeah, no problem. So clear it out and, uh, spit water in it. Like just trying to hose it off, dry cycling it, dry firing it. Um, it was not resetting. So cycling fine. Like there's no debris on the, the barrel that I could see. So spit some water, literally lock slide back getting water down in there and taking my finger kind of coming up through the bottom. So I'm shooting a 2011. Um, I get a small leaf out. I get a bunch of mud out on my fingers. I'm just kind of like wiping it out, dry fired a little, you know, like I say this taking longer to explain it than what I actually did. But cycle, dry, cycle, dry, cycle, dry. Like, okay. At least with dry fire, it's working. Stoke it back up off to stage two. Just kind of like we, it's not a total disaster. It's only the first stage, right? Um, so take off to stage two, um, as I go out, obviously I've kicked out two mag, you know, a mag's worth of ammo and shot about a mag's worth of ammo. Um, but going back to round count, Legion's a match where you don't skimp. So I brought twice the round count advertised plus an extra mag. So in my mind, I do that thinking if I lose a mag on the course, something comes out of a belt, climbing an obstacle on a stage, go do like a attack uh, speed reload and the mag just disappears in a puddle, wherever. I, I basically, with the last name of Murphy, expect I'm going to lose a mag. So in that case, like, okay, I just burned through that emergency magazine in my mind. I'm still okay. So while I'm doing that, I start to finally assess, okay, maybe my gear is a little worse than I thought. Figured I went in the water got some mud on it but again i was crawling in the water too so maybe it figured it may have been okay um as i am going down the path or the road which should have turned into a path i stayed on the road as i'm kind of like downloading a mag trying to pull a uh i keep a couple uh paper towels in a ziploc trying to dry some rounds off figure out the mag situation um and i kind of like as soon as i finish addressing the pistol mags one was like a look up like I don't see any signs. I don't see any flags. So it's kind of like, and it is an active shooting range, right? So like, okay, let's freeze. I'm still on the road. So I know they're not going to have any rounds crossing the road to kind of look around like, okay, there's a flag over the hill over there. Like I see it like peaking above the hill. So like clearly I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So I walk a little bit further just to make sure I didn't miss a sign. 
Like it was right at the hump where the, I know the road split, which was the course last year. Um, but that was not the course this year. So, um, take a second, pull my phone out, which had the course map on it. Like, okay, I'm definitely not where I'm supposed to be. So I backtrack and then get to stage two. Um, but that nice little side adventure cost me, uh, like six tenths of a mile and, you know, nice eight minutes, nine minutes extra. So, which, so stage yeah, that, one plus. yeah. And that all adds up. And I, I'll say before somebody, because, you know, we, we, you say 2011 and people are like, oh, well, you know, these uh, a lot of Glocks out there got wet and did not run this summer. We've seen quite a few guns that just when you get them wet and muddy, it doesn't really matter what make or model you have. They all have a good chance of failing. Yeah. So I uh, so the second running gun I ever did uh, was Carolina one a long time ago or say a long time ago. Uh, back in 2018, there was a river crossing, and then you had to do a barbed wire crawl through basically a bunch of muck. The exact same, you know, Sparland ALS, which I love those holsters, still just the way you had to crawl, you just like basically your gun was a scoop for the mud. And what happened then, same thing happened now. Happened with a Glock to me, happened with a 2011 to me. And the short version, which well, there's some more problems coming up, but, um, there was a little bit of debris. There was the gun was actually there's nothing inhibiting the function of the gun. The gun actually cycled like it fed the rounds 100 percent. Like I had zero feeding issues, ejection issues, extraction issues, the whole match like gun ran beautifully. What was happening was there was enough debris in there that there was not enough uh, uh, oomph behind the trigger on reset. So that debris or basically it was fine silt. Like I completely disassembled the gun after the match. Um, There's enough little bit of debris that was providing resistance for that trigger to reset. Same thing happened on my Glock where that trigger hinges through the frame because on the Glock, the same thing had happened. Basically there was enough resistance that you could pull the trigger forward uh, and it would reset. There was nothing blocking the reset action. It just wasn't enough force to do it on its own. So uh We'll talk about more about particularly stage five <laughs> yeah. when we get to it. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's a common thing when guns get crap in them, they they may not run. So um, if you don't think that, come shoot a running gun and drag your guns through mud, and you'll you'll find what works and doesn't work, and you'll probably find you do enough of them that they all shit the bed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so I mean, we've we've yeah. yeah. So we've gone on. We're uh, we're hitting on stage two. Um, this one, I believe, you're fighting in like a city. So they had. I've actually. I end up ordering some of these after the match. The the stage had some of these little. Um, I think I got two inches. I think they were using the three inch ones. I'm gonna use these in my three gun match. So I like to be a dick, and I got the smaller ones. But um, they had them at fifteen yards, twenty yards. So uh, anyone that shot a gun with a, a scope on it or even iron sights, you're, you're running into height over bore. So you've got to aim a good deal over top of the target to make hits on them. And I think they had four, four of them from each position. So, um, and, and there was some, I don't know that you didn't mandate weak side, but there was a couple of them around walls that you pretty much had to go to weak, you know, set up. You pretty well had to go to weak side shoulder to, to get those. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, five targets, four positions. So uh, yeah, kind of you ran up, loaded your carbine on the clock, 
shot them, uh, and then just kind of worked your way around around the walls. Uh, I ended up not going weak hand, but rolled the gun. And at that point, just hide over bore at that close. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I actually had a decent run on that stage, but right at the end, because I'd fired a few extra rounds, tried to do a speed le- reload. At that point, because I got lost, I had not gone through and checked my rifle mags. I was like dealing with that as soon as I figured I was lost right on the path. Stage two was right there. Um, so I put, when I went to do a reload, I reloaded off my belt. Well, the on the magazine, so you have um, on most magazines, I got it right here at my feet. Um, so what had happened was this little taper right here for where the it locks into the magwell. Um, because of where it was at my belt pouch, mud had accumulated on, on both magazines on my belt to the point was there was so much when I went to do a reload, um, the mud wasn't compressed and get out of the way. So I couldn't like try pushing, pulling in. Uh, magazine wasn't going in. So I fumbled the reload probably five, six seconds or more uh, fumbling with that reload. Um, still had a decent time on that run. Uh, but uh, that's when it really like, oh, crap, like wasn't panicking or giving up, but just the uh, there's more issues that I still have to figure out. So now I'm, you know, already, you know, forgot stuff at the start line, already had a disaster crawling, you know, going in the mud un- unexpectedly. Uh, stage one was <laughs> epic failure. I already got lost and I just had some ag reload issues. So at that point, that was probably the lowest I was feeling on the course. Like, okay, let's just like take this slow. I'm not going to run from it. I'm just going to walk and kind of go through and start sorting out and trying to diagnose what I had going on. Yeah. How about I kinda, you? I, I kind of had a dirt moment and uh, it definitely is one of those where I didn't follow my own advice. I mentioned on here that your stage brief is normally on your runtime. So get good, positive clarification. And, um, so in, in the stage brief, when the RO laid out what the targets were, I thought it was a target from each position from the way that I was briefed. And I did not take my normal time to clarify because I thought it was what's that's obvious. I see the boxes. I see that it looks like you can only hit certain targets from certain boxes. And so I went in and I got my hits real quick on that first one and then started to backpedal. And I turned to look to make sure that, you know, the RO wasn't going to be in the way. And the, the RO, the look on his face was, what are you doing? And at that point, it, it pays to, you know, ask what. And they're like, five hits from each box. <laughs> and I was like, so I had to reverse like six feet back in the box, get back on, finish that. And, and then as I was heading to the next box, the RO was like, I am so sorry. And I don't know if I got a bad brief or if I didn't get it. The ROs are super, super nice events like this. So it's probably me. And I'll, I'll just say that. Um, and again, follow, always double check that stage brief. Ask for that clarification on your runtime because that height over bore should have been one of the fastest stages for me. Um, just because how much height over bore work we do at our local shooting club. And that getting back in position and then pulling back out and moving to the next position, that that definitely knocked down my standing. So, again, folks, clarify that stage brief while you're on your runtime. You can make up that runtime, but you will not make up that shoot time. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I think we've said it. 
whatever they explain to you, explain it back in your own words. Okay, so I'm shooting these five targets from here, and then I'm moving to here, and I'm shooting, and then on and on. And they'll say yes, or they'll say no, and they'll re they'll re explain it. So yeah, that's that's a good advice. And the thing with this match is there was no. I, I think it's a very well designed match. There was no impossible shots, but there was a lot of targets that were really easy to burn up ammo. I mean, if you did not respect those little hangers, you were gonna burn up ammo. I I, I burn up more than I should have just because my I was using the EOTech Voodoo and the reticle at one X is just really fine, you know, being first focal plane. And I thought I could see it well enough. And I just didn't have enough contrast, so it was hard to hold. You know, I really, usually I would have gone up to like 1.5 or 2, just enough to get the reticle a little bit bigger. And so I just, I couldn't see my reticle to where I was holding off. And you get shooting and you just kind of, ah, I'll just, I'll figure it out. And But yeah, you can burn through a lot of rounds that way. Yeah, I, I ended up shooting like 2, 2.5 power myself, but yeah. Yeah, that's normally what I would have done. <laughs> And I had a couple people after the match um, that specifically were asking about, okay, for your height overboard, what hold in your scope did you use for those close range shots? And mm. I, I honestly could not tell you, you know, I'm not using my 300 or my 400 yard hold mark. I've shot the height overboard stuff enough that my mind recognizes the target diameter for the distance that I'm at, and then I'm holding my main crosshair appropriately over. If you're trying to search for, especially a first focal plane scope, if you're running it at 1 or 2x for a particular hold to try to engage that close range target, you're going to burn up way too much time. Get used to how things are proportioned in your scope when you're looking at them. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say, in Sean's class, anyone who took that class, we did a fair amount of height over bore shooting. And as Mike mentioned, I, I run our local three-gun match. I like to put clays on top of a no-shoot at like <laughs> 7 to 20 yards. And I, with that, if you do not hold over top of the target, like literally your reticle has to be off the clay, you are going to hit that no-shoot almost every single time. You know what I mean? Depending where you're zeroed. But for most people, you're going to – you're going to nail that no shoot. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, at distance, you have to go with a, a reticle or a dial, you know, your actual hold amount. Um, but yeah, at that close range, it's a target reference or a target hold, feature hold, not necessarily like, oh, it's exactly 20 mils or something like that. Sometimes it, sometimes in some situations it works, but when you just show up on a stage like that and you don't really know the target size and the distance was changing as you're kind of moving in and out of walls. So yeah, in that case it's like really like a little bit off the edge, you know, the top edge, like above whatever reference the gun was pointed, um, will will get you through that. And for those that don't know what height over bore is, basically where the scope's looking and where the barrel's looking at close range, the scope and barrel where the bullets traveling have not converged yet. So you gotta account for that. And that's that's what we're talking about if you've never seen that. Uh, and if you're not sure, go shoot it. <laughs> go shoot close range targets, aim at something, look where the bullet goes and you'll figure out exactly what you need to hold. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I'd say, especially this, like you knew that you were going to have a bunch of it. So if you don't know, pay attention on that first shot. Don't just, I, I saw some people on the stage that I was ROing that was further in the match, just ripping shots off. And I, I guarantee you they didn't know where they were hitting. So those first couple shots, 
fix, see what you need to see. And once you say, okay, I'm this far over and I got a solid hit and saw that thing move, do that hold every time. You know, there's, there's kind of a, some advice I heard, never miss the same way twice. So if, if you miss, do something different, you know, just ripping shots. I saw a lot of people just ripping shots off at it. And I knew you could tell they're not trying to change anything. It's just accuracy by volume, which is Legion is not a match for accuracy by volume. Yeah. And as a sport, running gun, when you're carrying all your ammo, uh, I've seen, as you guys have all seen, people run out of ammo at the, by the end of the match. Um, you know, nothing worse than running the whole way or making it all the way to the end and sort of to the last stage and like, oh, I can't shoot this. I'm out of ammo. <laughs> I, we saw quite a few people in the 10K at stage six. They ran out of rifle and they're headed to stage seven and it's a rifle pistol stage. So, um, yeah, I'm normally in three gun. I'm a little more accuracy by volume because you kind of can be the sports a little mm-hmm. more set up and running gun. I, I'm a lot slower. I'm still working on getting my speed in that, but, but I'm much more uh, calculated. And because of that, cause you, you just don't want to be burning ammo. All right. So uh, we head on through the woods some more um, after we've already gone through the, the woods with, um, where you're kind of searching stage three. One of you guys are going to have to refresh my memory. Cause I'm trying to remember. So is that was, the Jeep stage? No. no so did you, Mike, you want to go? Is he there? Yeah. So sorry, volume. So stage three was a, uh, barbed wire crawl beginning. If you recognized a feature that was out on the course, our favorite little gnome that, uh, Legion vets will uh, know very personally was out, out there uh, with some important information for us. And depending on if you got it right or not, you would start the stage with a barbed wire crawl. Then uh, once you got there, they had you shooting close range paper with a rifle and you were essentially giving yourself cover to get to a position to engage uh, steel uh, at 80 yards. I believe that the uh, paper uh, target was, it was fairly close. I want to say only maybe 45, 50 feet. And it was uh, an AC zone was the only acceptable. So you would get your hits as you were moving. I think you repeated that, what was that, four times? Three or four times. And uh, so it was one of those where you, you needed to know how fast could you move and shoot and then uh, quickly <laughs> yep, there's the gnome. So, and then quickly uh, uh, get a hit. So, for me, that was a, a chance for me to use my offset red dot. And I used my donut of death and just put it in A zone, got my hits there, and then could run my primary optic at like two and a half power for a, a good magnification to pick up that target against the tree line. And, uh, Probably not my fastest stage, but I managed to move through that without uh, any issues. How did that go for you, Sean? Uh, yeah, so start out, you load the rifle on the clock, and so yeah, you move all the the close range had to be shot while moving. Um, so I went ahead when it's something like that where you have to shoot moving, I'm always going to give it an extra insurance round. All of my shots felt good, so I shot. Uh, running one to eight, 
uh, running like two, two and a half power. At that distance, there was a big brown blob. I kind of, as I came in, kind of like centered up on that brown blob, hammered four rounds. And then you, uh, while you're moving, you're actually moving to a shooting position, which was a barrel. Mm. And you had to shoot a steel plate at 7,500, 125 yards, somewhere in there um, from behind cover. I took the more legion approach behind cover and actually kind of got behind it didn't support off the barrel. So I think I took two, three shots for every, you know, on that one steel plate. So you'd shoot the moving target, which was a close paper. You had to have three hits in the C zone or a zone shoot the steel plate. And then you repeated that, I think two or three times, mm. uh, three, three positions worth. Um, that actually worked out well for me. Um, I fed off the chest rig with a clean mag. So I went into it with a good clean, you know, clean rifle, clean plan. Um, and it, I actually had a pretty good stage on that one. Uh, top five run on that one. Uh, and then they had a machine gun simulator going off uh, as well. So once the stage started, um, they had a machine gun simulator behind behind you, um, you know, pop, 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 while you're, while you're shooting as well. So that was fun. Yeah. See, sadly on RO day, I think by the time I got there, that wasn't, that wasn't working. So yeah. um, when you RO, you Sometimes you get lucky and then some, you know, weather-wise. I mean, I think we had a better day weather-wise. It was a little bit cooler, but mm. it, was, it was a pretty perfect weekend, really, the whole weekend. Yeah, but, we won um, the weather lottery there. Yeah, but but as far as, um, like, all the things working, eh, sometimes that doesn't happen. So it's it's kind of, you know, maybe it's an advantage. Usually shooting with RO day is not an advantage. I had four four or five miles under my feet of ROing before. Before I started, like, you know, Sean had 10 miles every day before, two days before he shot. So, that, 18, uh, I think it was 17 or 18,000 steps a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> up and down, up and down. <laughs> yeah. That, that can't be discounted. All right. So, yeah, after that, more through the woods. Um, I think, is that where you came on the Arabic writing? Right. Is that right before the creek crossing before between? Uh, I think there was one Arabic at that point. Uh, yeah. yeah. A little creek cross, some hill climb. I think you kind of work your way up yeah. elevation a little bit as well. And then you get to a, like a Jeep ambush. I think the Jeep, they, they had a, a Jeep Wrangler or um, Cherokee that mm-hmm. you started inside. And um, it's like, I think it gets hit by an IED and then, and then you're going and you're doing your thing. So um, that one you had. Four, four positions, mm-hmm. I think, and they yeah. were just like think of like a wall, like you'd use in USPSA, and then sandbags underneath it. And then now I'm trying to remember again. There was like four four plates. four plates, and I think that one or two of them were like skinny Sammies, like the auto resetters, and then a couple of them were a little bit bigger. And you could go left to right or right to left, didn't matter. But you you had to go to one end, shoot your way across. And then um, I think after that, you ran back to the Jeep. You had to pull a uh, rescue Randy out of the back, move him behind cover, and then go up and um, put a um, shot on a plate, like a full-size silhouette at 50 yards, which um, usually works well for me. It took me three or four shots, which I thought was odd at the time. And I was like, eh, you know, you're tired, you're blood. And what it turned out at this at this point in the match, my one of the 
screws on my red dot had completely fallen off and the other one was loose so basically the red dot on my pistol was flopping all around so i'm i'm guessing that's not advantageous to making 50 yard shots if i had to had to take a guess now for me i I think the hardest part of the whole match is at the end of this off the shoot clock you have to grab that rescue randy and then you have to put him back into the jeep and i I think someone said it was like 165 i mean it weighed basically the same adult male Uh, yeah it weighed as much as me so i i I didn't know that i was going to get it back in (laughs) yeah it it was was heavy it was definitely kind of like a I was tired, you know, you're running. There's a lot of movement on that stage. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, kind of like sit him up, get the arms right, kind of grab him. And I remember sitting there kind of squatting, like, okay, okay, let's be strong. <gasps> and then try and get him in the back of the Jeep. Yeah, it took it me one or two. Pretty. It was not pretty. It, it probably looked a little X-rated at times. You know, I'm like, got my, my hips thrusting, trying to push this guy up in the back. I forgot, I forgot to say the sandbags, which I thought this was for- yeah, I thought it was kind of neat that the sandbags were set up in a way there wasn't a great, you know, I don't think you could necessarily just go prone. Yeah, so no, I, there, was, there was tall grass in front of the yeah. positions, yeah. I happened to pick my 40-round PMAG, just that's that's what I grabbed out, and ended up working out on almost every one of those. I could set the PMAG on the sandbag, and and kind of, that got me at the, the right height, but... um. It was you, you could easily burn some shots because none of these none of the shooting was in like an ideal situation. You know, you, you couldn't kneel. You couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't just do what you'd normally do. Yeah. My my run on that stage, um, I had some serious rifle malfunctions. Uh, I, the best I, I still really don't know what happened, but get in that first position, load the mag, take the first shot, take the second shot, like the third round, like a dead trigger. And on an AR, you know, you shoot them enough, you can feel when, like, that didn't go all the way in battery. Um, so I thought maybe it had short-stroked or, um, you know, failed to eject. So tap racket, right, first remedial action there. And what actually happened was it did feed a fresh round, but the bolt didn't go all the way forward. So what because it didn't go all the way forward, um, when, I, when I cycled it, Rounds, fresh rounds still in the chamber, feed a second round. So now I have a double feed. So now I have to pull the mag, pull it back, drop it out. Um, I ended up having to do that 10 to 12 times on that stage. I still know what it was. Uh, after that stage, um, coming off of it, I uh, basically found the cleanest mag I had and just kept topping that mag off. Clean the ammo off. I think some debris got in there or something. Um, it was giving me fits, but uh, I was ready to about throw all my mags in the woods and just find the next runner and steal his rifle ammo. That was my plan. Um, but eventually, it's like, okay, that's not going to work. So um, went to, like I said, trying to really, okay, let's go back and clean it out. Um, I remember spitting on the bolt carrier group because it had been in the water. It was kind of getting dry and dirty. It's like, well, put something in there. Um, and actually, the rifle ran fine the rest of the match. So I, that's what I don't know what happened or maybe one of the many other water uh, immersions that we went through um, cleaned whatever was in there out of it. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of rifle problems on that, but my 50 yard hit. So, so angry. He's like, I'm not going to miss this one and uh, made that shot. So. Well, I think that we've seen fire clean and frog lube and all these others. And now we've got Murphy lube apparently. We're going to start bottling and selling the spit. Yeah. No, when, uh, when, when in doubt, spit on it. 
I mean, yeah. Well, I had nothing else, and we've talked about it. I never, Mike. We we distinctly talk about it. Ah, I've never really needed to carry lube. It's going in yeah. the bag. Uh, yeah. Usually, run the that Lucas EWL runs great. Um, going back to prepping for the match. Again, we talked about this at the class. Uh, in reflection, I can't remember putting more lube on the carbine after the two days of class. Like it was pretty well lubed, but that immersion in the water several times and shooting and shooting dirty ammo. Um, like I, it was getting a little dry. Uh, I don't think that was necessarily an issue. I think there was some kind of mud or muck got in there and was slowing that carrier a little bit, um, particularly because the shooting position was weird. I, I think when I had my shoulder in it, it was fine because the spring had something to, to resist against. Um, but when it was kind of that weird kind of over the sandbag shooting down, um, maybe that was caused. I, like I, said, I still don't know what happened. I don't have any video of it, so I don't know. Uh, I just remember telling Bruce something about a very not nice word rifle. Um, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so Lucas makes the little, looks like almost a catch-it packet or whatever, mm -hmm. samples, and you can find them. And that's what I tuck in the front of my chest rig. So, yeah. like, even worst-case emergency, if I look and it, it's probably a, a lube issue on a stage, I can pull that out, rip it open, and dump it on a gun. And I might be able to finish the stage without timing out. Uh, yeah. I know my rifle was getting pretty dry at the end of the class. Um, but I kind of, the way that I do is the, I'll lube it up really well. I'll do a shooting session pre-match normally. And then uh, I won't pull the gun apart. I'll just drop lube in the bearing surfaces and then run it. And then there's yep. no chance of me reassembling it and causing issues. Um, I also had an interesting uh, double feed is I've been playing with the uh, A5 buffer system and some uh, LMT, the Ambi uh, lowers, the Mars. And so when I went to uh, charge that 16-inch rifle, it's got a JP captured spring, and it feels very different. And uh, I, f I felt it, and I was like, that didn't feel right. And so I, I went to pull the bolt back just far enough that I could see. But, of course, you're running to a shooting position. And so I got it too far back, picked up another round, induced a double feed. And so I just got that uh, mag stripped out and as I was going to a knee. So I lost probably a second getting that second magazine inserted in, chambered. Um, I shot off the uh, vertical foregrip on my rail on top of the sandbag, and I was looking at grass. I probably should have gone to the magazine for the other positions, but I by then I was in the moment, and, and I, I really didn't think on my feet with that. But I was able to, as I came up out of that position, grab and uh, retain that magazine I'd stripped out. So if I would have needed it, I still had it. So I probably lost a couple seconds on a stage that I should have had a faster time. But it wasn't a complete dumpster fire. So I'll, at Legion, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, and I, this is a, this was a great stage. If I walked you up there and showed you the stage and told you what you were going to do, you'd be like, piece of cake. I can go one for one on all these. You've got the run, elevated heart rate from that. You've got kind of weird shooting positions. And I think all three of us are pretty used to that kind of thing. But um. It's just, you you know, uh, you drop a shot here, you drop two there, you got to clear a malfunction. I mean, you can really burn through ammo in these matches, like a match like Legion, pretty quickly. So, um, 
it's it's good stage design. It's it's interesting. I think that's why why we all enjoy it. I mean, I'm probably going to start carrying lube out there. Um, something I've started carrying is um, a basically a cleaning rod, two sections of cleaning rod. Because I've been at multiple running guns now where cases got stuck or, you know, a bullet got stuck. And having something to clear, I mean, it's usually just takes, you drop it in the barrel and the gravity will knock the case out. But if you don't, if you don't have that, the, the you know, the extractor will keep slipping off. So um, I had like two sections of that and I just tucked it inside my plate carrier next to my plate, you know, folded up. So not the quickest to get out, but, you know, you, you're probably not going to get on the clock, but. If it saves you the rest of the match, not having a gun go down, it's definitely worth that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what's fun, too, I think, about running guns uh, is you you get to deal with the problem. It's not, you know, a lot of other competitive events. You start having gun problems, they're sending you home or, you know, pulling you off the line. Um, as long as you're not doing something unsafe, you know, a, a suspected squib, they're not going to let you keep shooting, but you get to clear it out. It's not a go home or, you know... You, yeah, you may not get to reshoot the stage. Mm. Um, or yeah, you plug a bore, things like that. Um, you know, there's a little more leaning mm. to that real world type application of, hey, you're on this big course, you know, like, yeah, that last stage might suck for you, but, you know, you can fix the problem, assuming you brought the stuff to deal with it, or you can adapt on the fly, whether it is, you know, there's all plenty of pictures and videos of people dunking rifles mm. in the water you know, doing weird stuff um, to the gun to try and get it to keep working if there's a problem, um, you know, things like that. Like it's that that adds that element. I think that's what makes it fun is it's, uh, you know, that why I like, yeah, I like to go and be competitive, but there's plenty of people that they bring just, oh, I wanted to try one of these with my Galil or my Garand or whatever. And problems show up, but you get to learn and you get to work through the problem versus, Ah, yeah, you had a shitty run. Like, go home. Thanks. See you later. Like, it's it's not like that at all. Which is, like I said, I I like that. Kind of instills that. Keep fighting through the problem and keep going. Like, that's no charge for realism. This is how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's that's the fun part of the sport. All, all these guns work when when you take your gun to the indoor range and you put twenty rounds or fifty rounds or hundred rounds down range. Uh, all these guns work, hundred percent. You know, for the most part, but you get out there and I, I've seen AKs go down and AR-15s and FALs and, and definitely M14s. But, you know, they all they I've not seen an I've not actually seen an M14 make it through a match, even a three gun match. But I'm going to get some haters there. But, yeah, it, it's that's that's just that's the nature of the game here. So I guess moving on, we get to the fifth stage, which is the last one for the 5K. That's the last one I did. Um, this, you had a, a Jeep, another Jeep, and you start in the passenger seat and, and it was a little different on RO day, I think, than it was on the regular day, but, but you, you get out and you've got like a steel plate, big steel plate, and you're basically just shooting it five times from four different positions. And then the last position you shot some paper. So pretty quick stay. I mean, you know, you're talking, I think my time was 25 seconds or something like that you know i mean it's, it's a quick quick stage you're yeah, there, burning down there were, yeah there were multiple sub 20 second runs it was a it was a fast stage you know again your your gear working you know just stepping out burning five and then working the corners of the vehicle uh, apparently a few people did shoot the, the windshield uh, and from what i heard the uh the antenna didn't quite make it on the jeep 
uh, guys kind of like not quite far enough around that corner or, or being cognizant of, hey, my rounds are actually going to hit a part of the vehicle and not actually hit the target. Um, I, going back to the pistol problems, uh, at that point, I'd kind of figured out, okay, the gun's cycling fine. So what did I do? Um, take a shot. And I actually brought the gun back, pinched the trigger, pulled it forward, come back out, take a shot, pinch it, pull it forward. So I wasn't wasting rounds at least, but uh, I was actually having to manually reset the gun. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, I was twice, you know, 40, 50, I think it was almost 50 seconds on that one. Just take a shot, reset, take a shot, reset. But uh, assuming the gun worked, like that would have been a really fun stage. Cause it was definitely a burn it down. Um, not burn yeah. it down like Ford style, but burn it down shooting fast style. Well, I mean, I, I shot it pretty quick i had still had a pretty fast time on that for the 5k and i had a red dot that was flopping all around i mean it was it was pretty much like look at the target and and pull the trigger so and that kind of thing is i wouldn't want a whole match of that kind of thing but every once in a while getting a stage where you can just like rip fast splits and you know that's that's a pretty good time Uh, i don't know mike did you have any issues with that one or were you pretty pretty good I probably shot it a little bit more conservatively than I should have. Um, I was doing pretty decent on pistol ammo at that time, so I should have shot a little faster. But uh, nothing remarkable or unremarkable. So just an, another good fun stage, and uh, I think it's uh, we've used that stage for uh, uh, Jimmy Moriarty, Moriarty a couple times, uh, a fallen fifth group guy. So it's always a sobering reminder after meeting his father at some of these events of uh, how personal a lot of these tragedies are. Yeah. And to add with that, uh, at the Legion event, what's pretty, pretty cool, um, you know, they have multiple Gold Star families. And for those who don't know what that is, Gold Star family is the soldier fell in uh, in the line of, you know, combat line of duty. Um, so their families actually came out to the event and there were multiple, um, some of them even ran some of the kids of one of the, one of the fifth, fifth group guys that had been killed, uh, actually ran the event. They ran the 5k Saturday, liked it so much. They came back and actually ran the basically picked up where the five let off and finished the 10k. Um, and that just is, is super cool. Uh, just in that, bringing that community full circle. And the fact that that special forces community still, you know, looks after you know the families of the fallen uh, but on that stage the fastest time on the 5k and the fast time on the 10k were awarded a challenge coin uh, for that as well yeah that that was neat now it's it is it's sobering because like i know at least one or two people they shot stages that were modeled after how their you know their father died so it, it's you know they Matt Stinnett kind of with RO day. And I think all the days he talks about like these gold stars, like when they're doing whatever they want that day or whatever they're trying to do, like everyone there, ROs, other competitors, like we're moving heaven and earth, try to make a enjoyable time, you know, really give them the full experience to it. And, um, I, I, it, it does it. The shooting community is great for that. So, um, but it's really neat, but it is a sobering match. I mean, it's, it's kind of heavy at times. Yeah, so, and, um, you know, and having the active fifth group guys there, a lot of them knew these guys too. Especially the yeah. you know the recent combat action, you know Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan. Um, 
you know, a lot of these guys knew these guys, worked with them, were on teams together, deployed together. So, you know, like it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, anybody that really doesn't get emotional at some point, whether it's you know, tribute in the morning or the who the guys are running with or they hear stories. Like it's, uh, you know, it's hard not to get emotional when you hear it and, you know, like hear like, it's not just what these guys did. It's who they were as a person. And so it's, it's a, it's a pretty emotional thing. Even if you have zero connection to that community, um, just being there and being a part of that, uh, let alone the, the fact that it's on nine 11 weekend as well. So. Yeah. So, um, so from this point, I, the run back with the five K's, nothing real memorable. I, kicked it in high gear because i knew i was done with shooting cleared the pistol out i mean i was i was hoofing um that'll come in more important towards the end but i'll let you guys kind of go go because that legion as always has surprises that you're not expecting and there was definitely one this match so i'll, I'll let you guys kind of take it from there towards i mean i know what six was because i ro to help ro it but you guys kind of know the course from there so uh I think CCR's Run Through the Jungle uh, is a good soundtrack for the second half of the 5-10K. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, you finish finish there. That was my encounter with George, Jihadi George, we were talking about earlier with the paintball gun. Uh, mm -hmm. As soon as I roll off stage five, I was hot because I was like, man, I could have burned that down. I just – that was – I knew I could have done well. Um, but I was having gun problems. And then as soon as – like where the RO's trucks were parked, as soon as I turn around, he's freaking standing there like, okay. So I said some not so nice things about jihadis and goats and certain things I can do with them. And uh, <laughs> like, you know what? Like, just shoot me. Like, you know, you know, it's coming. Um, I didn't even like, just give me one um, and took, took a paintball right in the rear end. Um, I think every, you could try and run through the woods, run around them. But uh, at that point, it was, I ran on the third day. He was pretty skilled at getting people. So, uh, took, took my lumps and there was quite a bit of movement from stage five to stage six. Um, you know, through the woods, uphill, downhill, cross some water, cross some deep water. I crossed water. Like, I think they fainted us. So you're coming down a hill, you see this crossing and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to go right there. I know I was not the only one because I was following footsteps across and then I get across the bank, like, where's the flag? Where's the flag? Nope. Okay, let's turn around and look back. Yep, back across the water. It actually went down to the water and then cut left um, to get to stage six. So, Mike, I don't know if you have anything to add on your uh, journey to six. So, I'm pretty sure George must be a fan of the Ash Show because of where he decided to shoot most people. Um, yeah, I, I walked right by the RO vehicle and there was no, I mean, unless you were pieing the corner, which you can't shoot the guy with the paintball gun anyways, you know, it was just a perfect ambush and he just had the classic, uh, George smile. The people in the running gun community that's hung out, it matches, will know one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, but give that guy a paintball gun and yeah, it changes them. <laughs> yeah, so, I saw... Everyone at six that I saw paint on, right right on their ass. I mean, <laughs> uh, almost every one of them. Now, saying that, the whole match, I'm, like, prepared. Because they said there's still someone out there. I'm yeah. When you're going through the woods, I'm watching where the tape's going, and then I'm hanging wide. Like, I probably yeah. added four or five minutes on my uh, – coming around corners, I'm going wide, trying to yep. get the most visual. 
yeah, maybe for better or worse, running so late on uh, RO day, he had already hung it up. So I'm like going wide. I'm being super cautious, and I could have just sprinted through. You know, there wouldn't have been anyone there. So I, I didn't get shot, but I definitely ran like someone was after me. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, so, apparently, he was roving as well. Like he yeah. wasn't in one position. So there's another spot further along. But I think Matt said something about being two guys roaming around. I never saw yeah. the second one, but I saw paint paintballs on the ground. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to take off running. So I remember <laughs> I was hanging on and, and took off and sprinted for a couple hundred yards like because it got into a spot where the trees got real close. It's like, oh, he's right through here. I'm just going to take off. <laughs> yeah. So right yeah. after I passed George, that's when I – put my rifle in the scabbard because I knew I was getting ready to go into the uh, never ending forest or, or whatever the people's pet name is for it. And generally that's where I make up a lot of time. I spent a lot of time running around through the woods as a teenager. Um, so I'm used to moving through the woods, heads up, looking out, you know, normally uh, observing one to two uh, uh, tape markers beyond the one that I'm physically walking towards. So, uh, I, I made some good time through there, even though on RO day, it was not well trampled. There was a couple fern beds and there was a couple areas where uh, the, the leaves on the ground were disturbed. And if you were actually doing some real tracking, you could have followed the people, but for trying to, to move at a run and gun pace, there was not a whole lot of visual tracking you could do off the environment. It was definitely working off the tape, but I remember coming to that corner where you said you crossed the creek, and I'm sure so many people did. And I'm like, I mean, you can cross here, but this is not normally where Matt sends people. Cause, and so I, I did a good look to the left and then saw the, the stuff up through some brush. It was really easy to miss. It was almost like a hobbit had made this path. Which Matt is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, so then I was able to, to divert and make sure that I didn't cross the stream unnecessarily as I made my way to six. See, you guys are going to have to be careful with the Hobbit jokes because the, the pipes he makes us go through are just going to get smaller and smaller. So, um, so yeah, so when you came to six, I can, I can describe this one because yeah, you, um, this you is got where to see it. Probably a lot of funny stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, so you come up, <clears throat> they explain it to you, but you have, there's a box on the ground that has to be diffused. And they tell you that, you know, you open it up and follow the directions. Well, this being Legion, it was really funny because, like, a handful of people, like, they'd go up and they're slowly opening the latch and they're slowly, like, opening the top expecting, like, something to happen because it's Legion. You don't, you know, you just don't know. <clears throat> so you open up the box and there's just directions and it tells you you got to cut these. It's just wires hanging out. They just, you know, pulling out and there's a dikes in there, diagonal cutters. So you just have to cut the wires in the order that it tells you. You have to, it tells you, you have to remember that because as you get to a VTAC barricade later, you have to shoot the targets in that order. And I saw some pretty creative, I think probably the quickest, easiest was people just verbally out loud, you know, white, blue, red, yellow, green, white, blue, red, and just whatever the color combination was, just out in their head. Um, I saw some people write it down, which is not a bad idea. Um, uh, Melanie Trumbull, which I thought this was a pretty good idea until it wasn't, she cut the pieces off and stuck them in her mouth. So she had them in order, 
that she was supposed to shoot it, which were worked awesome until she literally got her wires crossed. So the last two were in her mouth, but they kind of crossed <laughs> like that. So so she pulled. And, and what would happen is if you didn't, um, if you were shooting it out of order, the arrow just wouldn't call your head. So, you know, you could be blasting this target and hitting it, and you're just looking, and it's like, nope, that's not the wrong one. So uh, that's not the right one. So Yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Did they have an explosion going on there on Sunday? They didn't have anything on. No, okay. they, had a, uh, they had an audible, like uh, the bomb was <clears throat> about to detonate. So it was, you snipped, uh, <clears throat> and then once you snipped in the correct <clears throat> sequence, uh, the RO yeah. had a uh, – it was like a beeper. It was kind of like a, a loud, like, beep, like, okay. you know, kind of bombs going off. Yeah. Uh, so that way you at least knew, and that, I think, was the start of your time. Yeah. You know, fun, uh, fun thing to mention on the instructions is the wires were color-coded because you're going to need that later. But the instructions, the color letters were actually in a color that did not match. So you might be reading yellow and the letters that spelled yellow were purple or something like that. So that was a classic Legion mind trick. Um, and because uh, I deal with numbers and number sequences all day where I work, uh, I just instantly went to I got to do this out loud because it'll help me say it right as well as it'll help me remember it. And I was probably like not quite yelling at the top of my lungs, but I was probably saying it pretty darn loud. As I went yeah. through there. And and I saw people writing down those colors. Yellows, purple, blue is, you know, so it, it didn't end up needing to be written down. But Legion has a lot of that things just around that you think could be important. And sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. Between the bomb and the VTAC board, I, I don't think we mentioned this. There's like five pistol targets. You, you got to move through the woods and, and shoot them. Pretty easy targets. I mean, uh difficult thing is that okay well now i've shot some things and now there's been action between when i cut those and now i've got a vtac board and um like i said there's five positions there was a one of these little things i think another of the three inches at like 15 yards and then there was two mini poppers that i think they were close to 100 125 <clears throat> so gotta remember your height over bore hold over i saw a lot of ammo being burned because you know, if these are there, when you hit them, they're actually real cool targets because when you hit them, they really move. But if not, you know, you may see them wiggle as you're hitting the band or you're, you know, hitting the, the bore that it's holding on to. But, yeah, there was there was a lot of people that um, did not pay attention to that. And then right after that, you got to get back to your regular hold for a 125-yard shot. Yeah, and then the VTAC board was not just straight up and down. There were some sideways and some curved ones, too, which – Added to the experience. Uh, on, I wrote on, down. On top of a hill, there was yeah. like a little rise that it was sitting on. So it's not sitting super stable. You would think being on a rise would help, and maybe for some people it did. But it really, like most people I saw, it looked pretty inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. I ended up writing down. Um, I wrote down the first letter of each. So diffuse the bomb. And then I just, you know, I saw like. Y, W, you know, yellow, white, R, red, you know, um, and wrote those down on my board and then went to the pistol, had to manually reset on the movement. But then uh, the rifle, you know, 
took some extra shots, um, but uh, you know didn't have any issues there. I think I had best one of the best times on that one. That that one went well for me because that was get through the pistol and then try not to screw up the rifle, and that was that was the key to success on that stage. And having written it down, like didn't have to think about it. You know, why yellow? There it is. Hammer it out, and uh, that worked out for me. And uh, now, Mike, you did well. I don't know what you ended up at on Friday when I left to do my run. Mike had the fastest time by like twenty second, almost twenty seconds. I mean, it was um, yeah, it was a pretty like ninety six seconds or something like that. How did that end yeah. up shaking out? I think the fastest person did it in uh, like high seventies or eighty. But I think I still maintain that top 10% pretty easy. Um, but I kept the stage win for RO day, so that's kind of cool. But even at the end of RO day, when I went back to uh, uh, to RO so Ryan could go do his run, the amount of brass that was there was completely in, completely unproportional to the amount of targets you were engaging. It, it was insane. And even some of our best shooters i saw come through there and they died they absolutely died on that vtac board so uh, again just you know stuff that if you were off the clock and you were thinking about your hits and you weren't really having to remember a color code you know maybe not the biggest challenge in the world but i was watching people go through magazines on that problem um i i saw just in Friday, I saw at least two or three people right off the top of my head that burn up every last bit of their ammo, rifle ammo, and then headed to one more stage on the 10K with no no ammo, you know, no rifle ammo, which is which is a sucky feeling because there's I guess there's a pretty good distance between the last two stages. I mean, it's a pretty good trek. Yep, and you actually had to shoot your rifle on stage seven too. I there were quite a few DNFs on that one. Uh, you look at the scores like that one, six and seven both were. Uh, you know, you survived the first five stages. You know, we're talking about different. Some were fast, some were kind of accuracy based. Six and seven, they could suck up a lot of bullets and uh, and or a lot of time. Um, so the DNF rate, I think, was a lot higher on stage six and seven. Uh, versus the others I, I haven't gone back and looked at kind of what percentage but based on talking to people and just the you know the complexity of the problem involved um yeah they were they were not easy yeah seven seven especially sounded like it really ate a lot of lunches like um that and, and you're pretty tired by that point which makes everything and yeah. i that it's still probably one of the hardest it sounds like it's i didn't shoot it sounds like one of the harder running gun stages at, at, yeah. at most, you know, at a match that I've heard of. I mean, it, yeah, it really so, was not. Yeah, so six to seven. I don't know, Mike, what was it like? Uh, it was over a mile, so a mile yeah. and a half maybe. So, but along a... the way, you cut through more woods. Uh, and, ba and there was a path you followed, but it wasn't trimmed. It wasn't a path. It was literally, you know, scraping through pine trees, like baby pine trees. Mm -hmm crawl under a barbed wire, run through a wide open field, um, you know, run, 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 run. And then you get to, it was an obstacle. Um, this is where they were talking about the Arabic phrases. Um, one of the ROs at the, at the stage brief for the day said, Hey, there will be somebody wearing a dead zero hat 
certain couple phrases might have some advantage for you. Um, I totally missed it. Like didn't didn't have it. And uh, the if you got the phrases right, like a very basic conversation, then you had a question uh, on uh, how many water crossings you had at that point. Up to that point, um, you could bypass the swamp swamp feature. Uh, I did not, so went down, took a nice swamp walk. You get out of that, and you immediately have an uphill. Um, then you run past where the start line's at. You get to see it, kind of running on a road parallel to it, like, oh, I'll eventually get there. Uh, yeah. And then you go back down um, very um, – this is where that second culvert was at. But, but to get to the culvert, you drop off the road, and then it was about a quarter mile or so literally walking in the creek. And it's not like, oh, it's a nice little ankle-deep creek it was waist high creek um you know they didn't uh, i was behind at that point i'd caught up to the gold star kids and a couple green berets and um it was just slow going it, it just sucked walking through there but these guys were running tier one <laughs> i remember giving a hard time like so you mean to tell me you guys are green berets you brought 45 pounds of something in that backpack and not one of you guys brought a machete because like there's vines and there's stuff just in your face the whole way yeah. Um, then you come out of that and go through that pipe, that 24 inch pipe, um, more woods uphill. And then you get to this, like literally looking up like, Oh, we get to climb that, uh, the backside basically to the firing point to their long range. Uh, and that's where you get to stage seven. Yeah. And tier one through that little stream was absolutely brutal. Because that stream is just a drainage ditch that he decided to string caution tape through. So there's uh, vines with thorns. It's kind of like Rosa Flora, but it wasn't. I'm not familiar with what that plant was. And it was strung across. And then all the, the trees that fell across and limbs and stuff that gets blown out when they get uh, uh, lots of rain off their range was wedged and laying across the there so there was a lot of high stepping um going down onto your knees to get under something with the ruck on and then uh once you got to that uh smaller 24 inch pipe you had to decide if you're going to try to push your ruck through in front of you or drag it i opted for the drag and the drag rope wasn't left uh for me so i had to get out of the stream retrieve it um hook my ruck up and um, whoever used it before me had just watered it up. And so I got about four-fifths of the way through the pipe, and I the, the line was knotted. So I, I couldn't I, – I was out of line to try to drag it. And you're in a position where you can't really drag and get leverage. So I had to exit the pipe, turn around, go back in head first, and was yanking on it, and then um, my my pack it uh, must have just slid out enough while I was crawling through that I couldn't get it to restart in the tube. So I had to run up over across the road, start my pack back into the tube, run back, lean back into the tube, and the whole time uh, Lisa Stennett, bless her heart, is is encouraging me and taking pictures and and just. Uh, like wow that really does suck but i managed to uh drag it through but somewhere in that process i lost my dope card um 
And so that was a really rough thing for me. So I got everything kind of straightened out and then headed up to the uh, long range rifle. And that hill was probably uh, almost, uh, I don't know, was would you say 60 foot, 50, 60 foot of vertical. And um, it's, it's just fill where they pushed it with a bulldozer. So it's, it's just washed out. Everything's loose. There was a lot of, um, I went up uh, like four feet with my back, with my ruck on and slid down too. Um, but I managed to get to the top. No wait time on that stage. Out of all of them, I could have used some wait time. And um, so seven was your long range rifle. And what they did was you had a, uh, overwatch position that was up another probably 20 25 foot embankment and from the top they had a kind of like a modified hedgehog and targets at 100 200 300 550 and 600 yards and so you got one round at each distance and if you missed you could go down you would have to slide down that berm engage a steel torso target with five rounds, then run back up and re-engage that distance you just missed. And so every time you missed, you had to go back down that berm. And uh, for the first time, having a, a vertical foregrip on my rifle really bit me because of the way that tank trap was set up. I've been able to use it to monopod off things because um, I don't use it as a foregrip, uh, but it makes a handy barricade stop. But I could not get the rifle into a decent position with that on there and then a magazine in the magwell. So I was pretty unstable. Um, I ended up doing the, the run of shame up and down the hill twice to get out to 300 yards. And then at 550, I, I tossed my phone out on the ground. But trying to look at a little stray lock chart on your phone in the middle of a shooting thing... Um, I, I misread, and I was not able to get the 550 and 600 yard, which that's on me for having a relatively new optic that I'm not familiarized myself completely with the drops. But, man, that was a tough stage. I, I hope the rifle went better for you than it did for me on that. So, uh, yeah, the stage, uh, you know, ran up the hill, got in the first position, uh, as I preached many times over in the class that we were at, close enough is not good enough. Like, oh, yeah, it's 100 yards. Boom, miss, right over the top. Son of a – down the hill, shoot the pistol, resetting every time, run back up, hit the 100, go to 200, boom. Held center, forgot to hold over. Or it broke center, missed right under the bottom of the target. Down the hill, shoot the pistol, run back up, get 200, 300, Got it first shot. 550. Got it first shot. 600. Um, I gave it a little bit of wind, you know, because uh, just <laughs> thought there was some. Didn't really need it. <sighs> Missed a little high, a little left eye. So I wrote down on my arm board, um, you know, what the dope was. But for my gun, like, shoot it a lot. You know, going back to use the gun that you know, especially to match like Legion. I mean, 100 it's or sorry 100 at zero 200 it's a couple tenths 300 it's a mil and basically from 300 to about 650 um i've got a little marker i didn't explain in the class we just didn't get time to talk about really longer range carby shooting i've got d minus two written on the top of my target target so even if i don't have my arm board or something happened that's distance minus two 
So from like 300, well, it's a mil. So 300 minus uh, two. So turn basically move the decimal place over. Mm -hmm. 300 minus two. So three minus two is one. Is one one mil holdover. So 400 yards minus two is two mils holdover. You know, 350, etc. You need the math. So um, I wrote down four two, which is what the calculator said. I tried to give it exact. It really only needed about four. Could have broke a little high. It was not the most stable position in the world. So I missed it six, ran down the hill, shot it, went back up, hit the 600. So I actually did finish that stage 130-something seconds. Uh, at the end of the match, Jimmy Nutt ran around. I think they figured out only six or seven people actually finished that stage, whether it's running out of ammo, actually hitting the targets. Um, it was not easy at all. Um, I don't know that prone would have helped because the grass on top of that berm, uh, you know, there's really – because you're on the peak. So you ran up the berm to get to the stage, then you ran up and it was actually another berm, that overwatch position. You're on the peak of a berm, and then you had this kind of hedgehog that came through and you had two cross supports. Um, the first 100 yard, I tried to go off one of the supports, get a little taller on it to clear the grass. Um, and it was just not, the board was kind of angled uh, or was, was pointed straight, but you were kind of shooting cross and down. So you couldn't really rest the gun stable. Uh, so you're kind of like balancing on the edge. So that's why I went a little bit lower to kind of where the, the boards kind of intersected and try to wedge the gun in and just shot through the grass, basically shot through the veg. Uh, and, it, you know, you could see the targets. It took a little longer to set it up, but it just really your body couldn't get really that comfortable. Uh, right. It just you, Those little things just keep, you know, fiddling with the gun, having to run up and down, getting the pistol. The pistol shots weren't hard. It was the time it took to run down, do it. If you had to do it multiple times, did you even have the pistol ammo left? Um, so it, it was. Uh, there was a lot of time sucks built into that. That uh, you know, luckily I was able to get through it. Um, you know, even with the pistol, uh, I kicked myself like, "Oh, did you clean? Oh, yeah, I cleared it. Oh, that's great." But I missed the 102 yard shots, which like, I'm an idiot. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was not an easy one. Um, and then basically ran from the so the long range was right i want to say right next to very close to stage one so you kind of do this giant loop um with the 10k and luckily no more water crossings no anything else you run from what the, the long range shooting range is kind of elevated which you ran up to get to the stage and you just had a nice gentle slope down down the hill, you ran over the tube that you crawled under, so you kind of see if people are running behind you and laugh at them. Uh, and then uh, the run uphill to the end, um, which at any running gun match, whether you have a great day or a horrible day, seeing the end always gives you that okay. Doesn't matter how bad it is, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this thing out. And so run to the end. And I know Ryan, you wanted to uh, a little surprise. Yeah. At the end. Like, yeah. So. <laughs> If you've run, if you've done a run and gun, like usually you, you you're kind of conservative. I think most people are conservative with their run. You don't want to hit a yep. stage with your heart rate at max. You want to make sure you got the juice to get through the match. But once that last stage is done or that end finish line's in sight, like I think most of us hammer down. You're giving it maximum effort. I mean, I know when I crossed that, my heart rate was like 180, almost 190. I mean, I was hoofing it. So they pull you off. You clear, you know, show them an empty rifle. Show them any empty pistol. And then they say, all right, um, you've got 22 burpees. These are on the clock. So get to them. 
And like, I was like, do I have to do it in like my plates or can I take those off? And Matt, Matt was right there. And then they're like, well, what do you think, Matt? And he's like, well, have they been doing it in their plates? And he, they're like, yeah. All right. You're doing it in plates. You know, I'm sure Mike got to, you know, drop his rock, which would have been. But then you yeah. had to bust out 20. I did 22 of the ugliest. Well, they started OK. I mean, my first five or six were looking all right. But I mean, it got I mean, it really for me, it got to be where like I'm getting out of my knees. I'm dropping down. I'm pushing myself up. I'm. Yeah, you know, the arms are going up above my head. I mean, I don't know if my feet are leaving the ground, but I mean, just just grinding through the ugliest burpees I've ever done. And uh, because you just don't have any more. I mean, you don't have much more in the tank. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I got eight or ten ten in. It was just it was ugly. And then the some of the fifth group guys right who I knew. Um, they're giving me crap, like, oh, you didn't do a push-up on that one. Oh, you can't get <laughs> off the ground. Like, like, let me just get this misery over. Because it was a, you know, I, I had fun and I hated it at the same time. But it's like, I just want to be done. I just want a cold beer and a shower. That's all I wanted. But the purpose of the burpees, though, was awareness for the Mission 22, which is recognition of the veteran suicides, which is a very uh, prominent, you know, thing that, Awareness is great, uh, you yes. know, to find ways to help for, but that was the intent of it. Not, I think it was part just to make it suck, but that was the <laughs> justification at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I like died on my belly, but like, that's not real comfortable because you like got plates on. So I'm kind of like a turtle with, then I'm like trying to roll over on my back and like, again, like it's just, there's, I, I don't, I, I, it makes you appreciate people like our soldiers who are over there fighting in these pl- i mean i got triple curve like they're fairly comfortable plates probably more comfortable than what most of the guys overseas have and it's not you know 110 degrees like it can be over there and i mean that it gives you appreciation because it's not comfortable to have those on for a long period of time <laughs> yep don't give matt any ideas he'll find ways to duplicate that. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oof. Oof. yeah <laughs> So no, it was uh, it was a tough match. It was a tough match, even if everything worked well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I I would say, uh, um, I mean, there's a great cause behind it, but it's it's not for the faint of heart. And I know a lot of people practice for a long time uh, for it, and and you need to like this. It's there were several people actually. It was their first running gun ever. It's kind of like okay, so this is full crazy. Like they're not all this crazy. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, heart heartbreak is pretty close too, but yeah. some of that depends on on the weather. That, but um, I mean, I think a good example, Mike, last year didn't on the long range stage. Did you have a stage win in your your division on that? Do I remember correctly? So it was Stoner and then me, and we were within I think like ten. Okay. So so because normally the long range is something that is a a strong suit. I'll pick up a lot of time and and make some headway towards the top on the long range stage. But so so Mike's got second place last year in it and doesn't finish the course this year. And you know he kind of explained that. But uh, when was the last time you DNF'd a stage or didn't you know in, in a running gun? I've not DNF'd a stage at a running gun for a while. I think for a, it's been yeah. over a year, maybe a couple years at this point. But Legion is <clears> one of them where you, you go out there and you give your all, 
but you also know there's a good chance that you and maybe even someone who wins the match might have a DNF stage. So you, you can't let it get in your head. You have to pick yourself up and carry on, which is, you know, the theme of the match. And, you know, the, the reason we're there is to recognize the sacrifices of the people that have picked themselves up and they've pieced their units back together and they've gone back overseas again and again for our nation. Yeah, well, and I think probably for a lot of people, the appeal to Legion. So if I go to a three-gun match, I, it, unless there's something really crazy happens, it's been a long time since I've gone to like a big three-gun match and, and timed out on a stage. And, and running guns, the same thing. Like I, Generally, it may not be the fastest time. I may struggle a little, but I'm finishing the stage and there's not, you know, unless something crazy happened. But Legion's one of those matches where like you can be a super squared away competitor i mean you know how long sean's been doing this and like you can still just have a bad like a really bad like a challenging challenging stage and i i, I like that i mean it they, i think it, it's good to be humbled every once in a while and just hit something that it's just like wow like i did not do well <laughs> yeah oh yeah it was uh uh how do i put it nice my, my wife asked how it went it was like it was a lesson in adversity. <laughs> it was the nice way of not dropping a bunch of uh, not so nice words. Um, yeah, it was. But you know, the also at the event, like I've never been one to quit, anyways. But you know, it's one of those. Yeah, you, you just keep going. Like yeah, uh, it sucks for everyone. Yeah, you got to crawl through the mud. You got to do this. You got to do all these other things. And then oh yeah, your gun didn't work. Well, a lot of people's guns didn't work. Like just deal with it, move on. And that's the experience. And, uh, you know, this time around went down, took a mud bath and it didn't work out for me. Um, you know, still didn't DNF, you know, the stage two, I was really came off that, you know, not knowing the pistol, the mud being pretty bad in my kit. I was like, Ugh, this, uh, this may be a rough go. And, um, but it's like, you know what, we're gonna finish it. I got ammo. I got guns, you know, I haven't, haven't exhausted all the options. I'm not hurt. So, uh, you know, stuck with it. Didn't DNF any stages. Um, you know, I, I am disappointed in how it went. I had a, you know, fourth place finish. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, that's great. But for me, obviously, a lot of stuff went wrong. A lot of, a lot of issues that I'm not happy with. Um, happy with the event. Like, I'm not negative at the event at all. Like, I tell anybody and everybody about it. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. It sells out in minutes. Like it, it, it's, it's that highly thought of and it, it's hard and people like that. It's advertised as hard. It's not like it's a, you show up and surprise, it's a suck fest. Um, at least they advertise it ahead of time. But uh, overall, the purpose at, at, at Legion, you know, even if you want to go and be competitive, go and be competitive. The guys that it's memorializing were competitive people. They're hard chargers. They're go-getters. So go give it your all. But uh, it's also that, you know, reminder, like, you just got to keep going. It's going to, you don't know what you're going to face and it could get worse and probably is going to get worse. But uh, you just got to remind yourself of that as you go through the course, like, yeah, oh, crap, another thing, more in the mud or this or that. And, um, but that's, it's hard for everybody. So, uh, but though that it's a great match, it's one that's already on my calendar for next year. Like it's uh, once I got into running gun, I didn't get, you know, it didn't, didn't get in like the the next year after I'd heard about it. So I was like, worked it out to, uh, to be able to make it happen. Um, so it's, uh, 
luckily it's easy to know when it's going to happen next year. It's the weekend of nine 11. So, uh, you know, it, I, I, maybe not your first match. We did have a guy. Um, I don't think he, he was, he may have been, I think he was there. I can't remember. It all blends together. Um, he showed up and took the class, never done running gun before. thought it might be something cool. And, uh, Matt was able to squeeze him in. So he got, that was his first experience and he loved it. But, uh, maybe f- not for the faint of heart or the first time out, but people have done it for the first time. And as long as you don't give up, um, just go enjoy the ride, like enjoy embrace and enjoy the suck that it is. And Cause it makes great stories and the community is what make really makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. And you know, you don't have to be some super squared away, uh, uh adult. There's a, a father son com uh, duo that's come out and, They've run it for years and years at this point, and uh, I know that that uh, young man uh, really looks up to the fifth group guys, and so he's able to go and they'll you watch you know they'll take time to talk to him, and you know he'll he'll be out there and and shooting. You'll see the the gold star families out there shooting stages, just because it's tough doesn't mean it's not doable. Well, I mean, it's Sh- Sean's a good uh, example. Like, you hear this dumpster fire of a match, and he stuck with it, and, like, that's, you know, he still got not the finish that he would have liked and would have, you know, had without that, but, like, that's a good, you know, that's most people would be, I'd be really happy with that finish. I think, Mike, you went through some stuff. You ended up third place in Tier 1, correct? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Third place, first time playing Tier 1 there, and um, <clears throat> and, you know, Considering everything that, that happened and some of the excitement we had, I'm thrilled with how it went this year. And <laughs> I said that this year was my last year to do weight, but I don't know. I might be stupid enough to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll meet in the middle. Like, I've done light fighter the last two years. With teaching those classes, I thought about doing operator. Uh, I might get the plates out and do that next year. Maybe we're going to run operator and meet in the middle. You know, pull hey. the full crazy and add some weight on. I generally try to find whatever Mike's doing and do a different one. <laughs> just, just cause I, I don't want, I don't want to show him up. You know, I don't, oh, I don't yeah, want to make feel bad. Being, being so much, you know, being more senior to him, that would probably hurt it, hurt his feelings. So now well, I, I, I may step that. up to the, I'll, I'll step up to the 10 K next year. I've been doing the five K the last two years and, uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. well, now last, last year, <laughs> The 5K was the only one that had openings still. It was like a last-minute thing to do it last year. And then this year, my knees have been kind of bothering me. And I was like, well, I'll kind of – so if your knees are bothering you, you run 15-pound plates, right? You kind of split the difference. You do 5K, and you jack your knees up with, with weight. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll keep – I'll hit the ruck hard, and I'll I'll do tier one next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at some point, he's going to have to probably put a definition on the plates because – if we play operator again, we're just going to make some uh, lightweight, uh, like Lexan, that'll stop a 22 because <laughs> it's, it's rifle rated. It'll stop a 22 rifle, and then you'll be running <clears throat> with like four pounds of plate front and rear, and and we'll call it good. We'll yeah. Be so full gamer like some of these other guys the last few years, and leave our ceramics at home. Yeah. So I, I guess let's just kind of going long. Let's wrap this up. Um, Sean, I, do you have anything you want to share? Any plugs or shout outs or anything like that? Uh, man, I'm poor as shit. So, uh, you know, I, I was there, um, you know, on my own. Uh, I do have a small 
uh, partner with for uh, taught those classes, have a small training company, don't really do a ton of classes a year because I have a pretty busy schedule uh, with my day job. Uh, mm. But we were able to raise $2,200 for the Special Forces Association. So uh, very happy and proud to write that check. And thank you to everybody that came to the class. Um, and uh, so that, that was fun to be able to do that. Shout out wise, you know, um, even though I uh, had some adversity in the gear, uh, you know, Night Force, who I work for, uh, obviously trust the product. Uh, Hornady Proof Research uh, and Silencer Co. are all uh, companies that um, I've worked with on different way, different ways and supported me. So uh, ran their gear. And in that regard, the stuff that I use worked. Uh, just got dealt a bad hand on a few other things. And, you know, if you listen to all this and think it's crazy, it absolutely is. But highly encourage you to try it. Um, you know, I know right now running guns kind of east to central like Texas, Oklahoma area. But, uh, you know, if you, if you do a match, they'll come. So uh, if you're thinking of running one, run one. And if you're uh, as far as actually match directing and, you know, let me know. I'd, I'd be interested in going. Uh, and then uh, you know, if you're thinking of trying it, come on out. And if you do run them, bring a buddy. So because the more people doing it, the more matches, the more we get to do this. Because it's just I do it for fun. So um, even though I get to work in the industry, I really enjoy this stuff. So, and I enjoy the people. So thanks for having me on to talk about it uh, and hopefully to see, you know, somebody I love meeting the people and uh, see you guys in another one. Yeah. Mike, you got anything you want to close up here with? Yeah. So uh, first I want to thank my biggest sponsor, my wife that let me come down to Legion uh, within 10 days of the due date with our second child. So she's the real MVP. Um, Sadly, Ryan and I had to bug out a little bit early due to some contractions that started, but I was blessed to be able to come down and hang out and at least take the class. Um, that was worth its weight in gold. Excellent, excellent class. Um, big shout out to Allen's Arsenal that supported the Legion running gun uh, since the beginning. They're run by uh, former group guys. They support the match. They've donated heavily to prize tables in the past. I've picked up a suppressor and a rifle receiver sets, all sorts of stuff from them. And I've got a Nalgene bottle for every day of the week. Um, so, yeah, huge shout out for their support. I know Spikes Tactical is thrown in uh, every year. And, of course, uh, Night Force, they've been a big part. There's been a lot of people that have gone above and beyond and uh, to make it happen. Of course, Matt Stennett with the time that he's put in and, and – uh, his wife, Lisa, that, that does the photography for the event. And then uh, I believe it's Lisa Lewis that does the, the cooking. She takes care of the ROs and makes sure that everyone is uh, in fed and squared away so they can be there to serve. And uh, I, I know that Matt's probably got no issues filling up the RO rosters for Legion, but it never hurts to, to shoot him a message. And you can go out and help him mark the course, set up stuff, uh, set a handstone match director is really important. And even if Matt doesn't need your help, check out the other running guns. They're, they're always looking for ROs or maybe even your local shooting matches. We definitely need involvement in the shooting sports right now. Uh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll second, if you, if you can take a class from Sean, I, I highly recommend it. Um, I mean, me and Mike have been around this, you know, a while. So it, it's not like, we're inexperienced, but we still learn a ton. I mean, and it really taking a class from someone who's a, a better shooter than you, you really get to 
see some things different. I'd say even if like for a close peer, you, you still are going to learn something. You, you see people's different um, way they do things. And um, yeah, I'd highly, highly recommend that. Obviously get out to a match. Um, I, I will say Mike said we got out of there in a hurry. I think it was two o'clock our time. His wife called and he he wakes me up. He's like, and we kind of had this planned. Like if something happened, he can just take my car, my truck home. I'll get a ride home. Plenty of people from Ohio. But it was two in the morning. Mike had done the 5K and then done the class all day. By the end of the class, Mike was looking a little rough. He was not at his best. So I thought I, I can't send him home by himself. So I we hopped in, packed up, hopped in the car. I drove the six hours straight. I mean, we stopped once. For, well, <laughs> we started with only 20 miles in the tank because we were going to get gas the next morning. So literally we're driving. My car says zero miles and we're trying to find a gas station open at two in the morning in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. So once we and filled up, I think. It wouldn't be the first time we've coasted into a gas station. That's, that is that, at a match. Yes, that is true. But we got gas. I think we stopped twice to pee on the side of the road. Like we didn't even stop in gas stations. I turned a six hour trip into like five and a half. I mean, we had hammer down. My let Mike sleep a little bit. And we're, we're cranking some funk music and I do all this for him. And do you think he could do the courtesy of naming his daughter's middle name after me? Like, I think that's a reasonable thing. And I'm not saying it, you know, but he's got time. He can change it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great time matches. I mean, it, yeah, go to one. Don't, don't feel like you don't have the experience. Just, just, just go to one. So, um, you will wrap it up. Thanks again, Sean, for, for coming on and, yep. and oh, sharing your match. And, um, it's kind of long here. Thanks for sticking with us. Whoever's watched it and, uh, you guys have a great one.